Jordan Assembly of God, Sunday, September 2nd, 2012, Pastor Greg Wolf. Title of the sermon, God, Do I Trust Him or Not? Part 2. Last week was the preparation, kind of like the question time. You know, what's all, going, what's all going to happen? Do I trust Him? What's all going on? In this, um, in this part, we're going to deal with one of those, one of those questions. When we have a doubt in the goodness of God, when we doubt that, we allow cracks in our foundation, in our walls, in our protection, in our doorways. We allow little things into our life to say, well, you know, maybe God is not as great as I thought he was. It's like, Greg, I never think that, okay? We kind of discussed a little bit last week, what about arguments? What about disagreements? What about things that happen in your life that doesn't make any sense? What happens when God does something that you do not understand and you don't know why it happened because you can see no reason for your life to go through this at this point? What about that? It's those little doubts that you avoid thinking about because if you really think about it, you would have no answer and you're just really wondering, why, God? Why? Why does this happen to me? Why? When we, uh, we were living in Kaiser, which is just right outside of Salem, and we moved to Sweet Home. We were, we were living in this, um, this trailer park area and a um, whole bunch of trailers in it, whatever, and we wanted to get our own land. So we purchased this property that was up on top of this, up on the side of the hill. And it was barren, barren property. We, were, uh, we went and we purchased a Fleetwood home and um, they were going to put it up onto the property. The driveway went up the road and kind of turned a little bit to the angle. We were going to have the garage right there, and we we're going to have the house right behind the garage. So you'd have to kind of walk around the garage in order to get to the house. And um, so uh, it was there. So we got the, the surveyors out there, and we got everybody out there, and then the city got involved and whatever. And what it was, was that since it was on a hillside and the size of the house, the house would only be like on this much of the actual hill. Everything else was just dirt, loose dirt. And so in order to, for a firm foundation, they had to dig down, right? And they had to find a, a firmness, at least to a solid ground, or, and or dig down deep enough so that they could put enough gravel in it so that it would make a solid foundation. And this guy from the city came over, or the town or whatever, came over, and he viewed, he viewed it and whatever, and um, he was getting really technical. He was like nitpicking everything. You had to use this kind of rock. You had to use the big round kind of sharp rock on the very bottom. Then you had to use this kind of rock. And the, every single one had different densities and, and different, uh, you know, so, so that when pressure was put upon it and um, everything. And, and 
the individual who had been doing this for like 32 years, this guy in the town had only been doing it for a few years. This other guy, this old guy who's like, listen, I have the compression ratios, they stand up. And he's like, no, 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 I don't care what you have. You still have to use this kind of solid rock and whatever. And he's like, okay. And so I was talking to him because it was making the project last a little bit longer and we wanted to get into our new house. I mean, we were just anxious for this thing and months have been gone by and whatever. And I'm like, okay, what's this about? And he's like, well, the reason why is because there was another house that was built without the correct rock. And what happened was is that when the house was only kind of like mine, it was kind of like halfway, when the rains came and, and everything else like that, even though the house was pretty fairly firm over here, when the front portion started to go, pretty much the whole entire house went. They were able to luckily catch it you know, and save the back piece, but the front piece was completely lost. So it's like very, very important that, you know, you were building on, on like, in my land, pretty much I was building on a firm foundation. I was only this much, and the house, let's say the house was this big, I was only on a firm foundation of about like that much. Okay? So, and that's, and that's it. Sometimes we take our lives, and in our doubt of the goodness of God, in kind of a fear because we can't control everything. We try to look at God not as a firm foundation, but we look at His firm foundation and then we, we say, okay, well, I'll take that corner of your firm foundation, God, and I'll build upon that. And then the rest of it, where my house is hanging over, I'll just fill in with all my stuff that I can actually gather up underneath my own reasoning my understanding because because I, I you know I just there's certain things about you God that I don't know can I trust you with my kids can I trust you with my family can I trust you with my heart can I trust you with these things are these things stuff you know what, what's all going on so God you know what I love you lots and, and I want to build my house upon you, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a corner out, and I'm going to build my house, so my house only sits here, but all the rest of it, don't worry, I got it all taken care of. I'll, bu- I'll build up my own foundation. So now you're kind of like half rock and half sand. We act as if we are the surveyors. We're not the livers of the house. We feel that we should be able to make decisions about where that house gets set because obviously we know more than what God does. We spoke last week about how let's not live a perceived Christian life. I don't want people to say how great they are (laughs) because saying doesn't mean anything. Your actions speak louder than words. What are you doing in your life? Look at your life. Because when questions like this hit, why do good things happen to bad, or why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Although, actually, I will have to admit, how many people know bad people that it seems like it all goes right for? 
Let's be rather serious here. Okay? Seems like they're doing all the wrong things and every single thing is working out for them. And you're looking back like, nothing's working out for me and I'm trying to do the right thing. You know? Questions like that. Some of these things, why do good, or why do, there you go again. Why do bad things happen to good people? Some of the things are the decisions that we make and that we put on God. We talked about that last, last week. Sometimes it's a decision that you make and then you're like, you knew it was wrong to begin with, but you wanted to make it right, so you reasoned within your own mind that it was right, and then you went out and go, and you did it, and then it failed, and then you're looking at God saying, why, oh, why did you let it fail? <laughs> and you're like, well, I wasn't behind it to begin with, so, you know. So there, some of it is decisions that we make. Some of it is Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, if you would turn with me. This is a different version of a verse that we, that we read last week. It says here, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, dug deep, and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Greg, what does that mean? That means I don't care how great your life is maybe right now, be prepared. Is life going to hit? Yes. Are disappointments going to happen? Yes. Is frustrations going to happen? Yes. Is troubles going to hit? Yes. You're going to go through all that, whether you be a Christian or a non-Christian. The difference is, is that when you're Christian, you have a firm foundation upon God. Now, I already spoke to you, real life, exactly why my house was built the way it was built when I was over in, 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 in Sweet Home. And the reason why they dug down deep for a firm foundation, why they laid the rock the way they did, the, way they, the reasons why they put rebar into the concrete to make sure that all the house would settle at the same level, you wouldn't have like different areas or corners breaking off. It's important that you have a firm foundation. It's important that you cling to God, whether or not you understand it or not, whether or not you grasp it or not. Even if you have to scream at yourself in the mirror that God is good, do it. Because when the winds hit and the streams come down, your firm foundation needs to be founded upon God, not your own reasoning. If you found half of it in God, you're like, well, I'm a Christian, but, but you know what? I've got to figure this out over here. All right, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Now, I will tell you about this. This right here is actually a martial arts position right here. Okay? And it will work. As long as the person is coming out, you here. 
You have your foot over here, you're widespread and you're fine. Somebody comes up alongside you, however, and pushes you, you'll go right on over. So, when you say to God that, yeah, I'm okay, you may be thinking you're okay because, well, I'm fine. I can handle anything that comes at me this way. I'm ready. I'm prepared. But how many people know that in life, it's not the troubles that you are expecting that get you. It's the things that hit you that you were not expecting. An argument with the person that you were not expecting. A disagreement about something that you didn't even know was even an issue. Those are little things. You expect a vehicle to have trouble at some point in time so you know that you may have a flat tire so that's the reason why you carry a spare with you. You may know you have all these things and that's why you carry the tools. But what if the engine breaks? I'm not one person to carry a spare engine in my back of my vehicle just in case my engine goes out. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not the things that we expect that gets us. It's the things that we don't expect that get us. We need to have that firm, firm foundation. In James chapter 1, if you'll turn with me, please. One through eight, James chapter one, one through eight. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, there's a couple portions of that. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh yeah, woohoo! How many people go through a trouble and just go like, whew, yeah, I want to go through that again. I know I don't. But it says that we should count it all joy when we go into there, into various trials. We're supposed to count it all joy. Why? Because the testing, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That word patience means waiting, Enduring, cheerful, hopeful. It produces patience. It produces an endurance that's going to allow you to have the strength to endure greater trials that are to come. You're like, Greg, you're not really painting a really good picture. Well, I hate to tell you. 
When you go through one trial, you need to learn that lesson of that trial very well or else you're going to be traveling around in a circle like a guy with a broken leg for a long time until you realize what that trial is about to teach you. Because God needs you, desperately needs you to learn from that trial. He needs you to be strong enough for the other things that is going to hit that He knows. He needs you to be so, so founded upon Him and trusting and dependent upon Him that when other things happen, you're going to be able to withstand. His goal for you is to have you as close to Him as possible. Okay? That building of patience is so that you will stay right here with Him and not try and actually go and try to do things on your own. When those doubts hit, when those and they will, your brain will think, why God? Why? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Okay, have those questions. Understand, don't try and disagree with yourself because you are going to have those questions and there's going to be things that are going to hit that you will never know the answer to until maybe one day either God reveals it to you or you're up in heaven, if it really matters by the time you get up there. But with those questions, as long as you can hold on to the one truth that God is good and God is good all the time, as long as you can hold on to that truth and know that, and when the waves hit, you're going to say, you know what, this really doesn't feel good, God. I really, really don't like this situation. But I'm going to trust in you that you know how to bring me through. And you curl up right next to him, get as close as you can because you know that you can't fix it. It's when we try to fix it that more troubles happen. Then it says to let that patience have its perfect work that you what? That you may be complete Lacking nothing. And then it also says that if you doubt, you're like a wave driven by the wind. That's where those little doubts happen. It's not the questions why. It's when you truly, deep down in your heart, doubt God's goodness in certain areas of your life. Maybe it's not everything. Maybe you trust God in a little bit. Maybe your foundation is like this much. But it's when you doubt Him in all the other little areas and you make decisions based on that doubt, based on your fear. You set up things for yourself to protect yourself. And it's when you try to protect yourself and try to do that instead of surrendering it all to God, you say, God, I trust you here. I'm not trusting you over there. And it says here, a person who doubts is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You're unstable because you do not have a firm foundation, just like that house that wasn't built to code, wasn't built to a proper code. And what happened is, is that that house, the winds hit that, the rain hit that, the ground became soggy, and all of a sudden, whoosh. that was real life. That was, that's, as a matter of fact, a guy got fired for that very exact reason. Just saying. Life hits. You can only give what you have. 
Why is that important? We are supposed to be the light of the world. If we're walking around with this little doubt, we are going to avoid situations such as if we doubt the goodness of God um, in certain areas or if we think in our heads that God only wants to heal certain people and that's the reason why only some people get healed and some people do not get healed, if we have that little doubt in our heads, then when we walk next to a person who is sick, how readily are we going to jump into actually praying for that person? Well, we know God is good, yes. We also know people do pass away. We also do know that things do happen, yes. But if our doubting, if our, as, as the light of the world, is have doubts in certain things, we will avoid those things. For instance, you walk into the store. I have this happen to me almost every day, if not every hour. I walk into an area, and I forgot the person's name. This happens to me all the time. How confident am I about going up to that person and saying hi? Or do I choose another aisle to walk down? Because I'm so embarrassed about the fact that I'm not sure if I can remember their name at the point of contact. Hi, how are you who I don't know your name? When we doubt, we lack confidence in. We're supposed to trust God, which means to rely and have confidence in. When we go into certain situations and God says, I want you to do such and such, I want you to do this, how confident are we in the fact that God is going to do what He says He's going to do? Like I said, questions. You can only give what you have. When you give, you're going to give that doubt. That doubt is going to be your amplifier. You're going to amplify that to people, that doubt. Acts chapter 16, 16 through 34. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Okay? 
So basically, we're going to skip down. Basically, what happened is, all of a sudden, the masters got really, really, really upset. And um, in verse 20, they, uh, they, you know, in verse 19, they grabbed them and brought them to the magist- magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city because basically they took away our money, they took away our funding. And also, not only that, but they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Which is interesting because Rome in and of itself would go and and conquer lands and would pretty much absorb whatever was in the area. So it's kind of interesting. But anyway. um, Then the multitude rose up, in verse 22, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now stop right there. Put yourself into Paul and Silas' shoes right now. You just got through all the beatings and the stuff like that and whatever. What would go, honestly, don't lie to yourself, honestly, what would be going through your mind at this point in time? Just think about it. Am I going to get through this? Should I be finding out a way to escape? Um, What's all going to happen? All these questions come flooding your mind. Waves start hitting doubts start creeping in. If you allow your mind to think about it, and I guarantee you that Paul and Silas, they were human beings too. Don't put them above anything else. They were humans, but they very much trusted God. Okay? But remember, they still battle the same things that we battle in our minds when troubles hit. Okay? So this is their response. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I'm sorry, maybe you didn't hear me. They just got beaten with rods. They got thrown around, they got thrown around, they got thrown into prison, and the first thing they do is yell, scream, whine, and moan. Oh, no. No, they didn't do that. They didn't yell, scream, whine, and moan. They were praying and singing hymns. Okay. This is not the, Oh God, help me prayer. Yeah, don't sing hymns. You cannot sing hymns and have an attitude of... Shall I do it again? Maybe then. (laughs) You cannot sing hymns and be down. Okay? They were beaten. They're not feeling well. Their bodies are bruised. Everything is going wrong. Waves are hitting. Life is over as they now know it. And what are they doing? They're praying and singing hymns. Praising God. Saying, God, I don't know what's going on. I know I have questions in my head. I know I have doubt, but my foundation is not a little bit on you. My foundation is greatly upon you. And so thus, when this is hitting, ah, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness.
It's that kind of trust that we need to have when questions hit you, when things hit you, where do you run to? Do you look for your bank account when finances hit or do you drop to your knees? When a storm takes out your, your, your crop or when fire hits your building and burns up your entire household and you lose all your money, do you look at your bank account? Do you look at your insurance? Or do you drop to your knees first and say, Dear God, I don't know what you're doing, but my foundation is in you and I praise your name and I thank you for all the stuff that you're going to do. Where is your foundation? Let's continue. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light rain, he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who are in, this, in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. When you trust in God, when you put your trust in God, it's going to be foolishness to everybody around you. That entire town looked at Paul and Silas as if, as if they were idiots. When you put your trust in God, it's going to be foolishness to everybody. But when they get in trouble, when they're in trouble, who are they going to go to? They're not going to go to their friends who they know they would be in the same position or they're running away just like everybody else is. They're going to go to the person that stands on the very truth of God. We are the light of the world. Jesus came down for a reason and His purpose is to save. And we are the representatives. We walk with an authority that does not come from man and it doesn't come from any positions that we hold. It comes from an authority that can only be given by God. Given to you, to you personally, to walk into situations with a power that you may not feel or that you may not understand. But just by trust in the very God in heaven that you walk into a situation knowing that you can change things because you are allowing God its presence to change it. You take on a responsibility. Christianity Christianity isn't about looking good. Christianity isn't about oh well I look great on the outside. 
Christianity is about that deep internal digging down deep and finding that foundation and trusting in God because the waves are going to hit you just as much as they hit everybody else. Don't figure you're just special just because you're a Christian. Uh Uh-uh. Those waves are going to hit. And when they hit, where's your foundation? And that is going to be the testing of your faith. What's going to happen? If you're going through good times right now, awesome. Hang on to them. You're going through bad times right now, as the scripture says, this too shall surely pass. Hang on. Stay as close to God. Get brothers and sisters around you to pray you through. That's what it's about. That's what family is about. We are in a walk and a journey together learning about trusting God. What does this have to do with our our move and position? To have the Holy Spirit move in this church, we need to have that firm foundation. Let us not doubt when we ask for God to bring down the Holy Spirit. Let us not think that He's not good enough. We need to not have doubt in our hearts and our minds. We need to know that God is true. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. When you go home and you go before your bed and you're praying all this week and hopefully for the rest of your life, you're just seeking God and you're saying, God, I want to know. I want to trust in you. And then you do it. You place those things that that come up. If you're going through good times, say, wow, God, thank you very much. When you go through bad times, say, thank you, God, for the good times, Lord God. Bring me through this. I pray, Lord God, and I just trust in you. That's how you hold on to hope. Okay? You don't hope in maybe what you see, but you hope in what you do not see. Romans speaks on that. Alright? Lord God, you are truly wonderful. You are mighty and you are holy. I glorify your name in all the earth. Lord God, I just pray and I ask that you may bless this time, bless this fellowship time with you, Lord God that we may serve you, that we may focus our concentration on you, Lord God. That throughout the days of this week, Lord God, that you may just remind us continually and constantly, Lord God, of who you are. I pray blessings, and I pray, Lord God, that you may just protect us, protect Josh and Maria as they, um, here in a few days, Lord God, go back home. I pray, Lord God, um, take them home safely. Lord God, protect them, bless them. And uh, Lord God, may, may you just, may your presence go with them wherever they go. I pray in the name of Jesus and bless this time. Amen and amen.